Hello and welcome to another episode of the DFWTO podcast. I'm your host, Casper. And I'm your other host, Becky Grimnan. Here to bring you all things spooky on Wednesdays because... Wednesdays are for podcasts. And of course, you guys, I, for my brain, stopped. I've had 12 hours of sleep in two days. It's been a so rough week. Like, it's been... <laughs> Every time. So, you guys, of course, you know there's a giant storm coming, too, so that's probably got my brain all fogged up, but you guys be safe out there. Yes. All the, all the crazy uh, snow coming and ice. Apparently, even people in Texas are like, right? no. So, Well, yeah. one of my coworkers is in Oklahoma, and he said it's it was icing earlier today, so I was like, okay, great. Right. So, tonight is a really cool episode about a... It's called the Watcher House, um, and it was about this family that was basically stalked after they moved in. But before we get into that, of course, a word from our sponsor. Calm your body down. Beep. Um. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I'm a badass bitch. I'm like, we need to have her do. <laughs> If we get enough money, we'll have her do the... I'll have her sing my jingle. Yes. I fully agree. Or I'll just do the calm your body down part and she'll go, yeah. There you go. That. It's like, how, am I do how much do I need to pay you to just say that? <laughs> if I could somehow... Man, I started watching her before she got huge. I wish I would have thought about it then. Now everyone Same. knows who she I is. so, so much. <laughs> Um... Anyway, so guys, I will try to be posting. I'm I'm trying to do something a little bit different with social media since now with Instagram basically wants to be TikTok. Um, and if you're a small business owner or creator or an artist, um, it's kind of all about reels now if you're going to get views. So um, I'm going to try to post more reels on the page um, at least once a week. Uh, but, um, as far as anything going on for now, we are into February, the end of this month, the snowman bath bombs will be gone. So buy those while they last. Otherwise, uh, the only deal right now is the three for 18 on the oatmeal, honey, lavender, or the rose petal bath bombs. Um, so Etsy, calm your body down is where everything's sold for shipping. Uh, and Instagram and TikTok, calm your body down. Thank you. Calm your body down. Yeah. I love that. I actually really like that. I might start doing that. Now. That's perfect. I like that. I like that. If you guys have absolutely no we're fucking out, idea what we're, we're talking about. We're out with Jonas. Um, her and name is Zoe. Is Zoe. Zoe. Zo Zo is Zoe. Is well, it? Zoe. It's, it's on Instagram. It's Zozo Zo And TikTok. Um, she's incredible. I absolutely love her. She I is very encouraging. Really she's very sweet, very funny. Much. Um, go check her out. She's really cool. She's like one of these people where I'm like, oh, we're best friends. You just don't know it yet. Right? I have a few people like that that I follow where I'm like in my head. Call me Chris. We're best friends. I mean, you can, we can be, we can fuck around. Well, I was going to say, <laughs> you got, you're like, <laughs> like, Oh yeah, I have a girlfriend. <laughs> I mean, same Wait. with Zoe, but 
really more best friends. Like we can just be best friends. We don't, Zoe's we don't definitely have to. one of those people I would love to be best friends with. Call me Chris. Oh, legitimately just... best friends. Yeah. Call me Chris is too young. She's a baby. She's only twenty five. Is she? Oh, she's only twenty five. She's a baby. Oh, honey, no. For me, definitely a baby. For me, <laughs> I mean, I'm twenty eight, but. My girlfriend is over 30. No, I know. I will never but go back. Me, I will never go back to younger. Ever. Ever. Oh, God, no. My hubby's over 40, so I get it. Yeah, no, you can't. Women, it's... Yeah. Just, just in general, women. has to be older. Older. Yes. Yes, for sure. Definitely. Yes. What's really funny is that actually my girlfriend told me that when she put the age range on the dating app, she put 28. I barely made the cut. <laughs> You're like, I'm like, whoo! I barely made that cut. Good thing I wasn't 27. Barely. Yeah, because I, oh no. Oh. It's because for oh. a 28 year old, I'm like 80, but who's going to know that by a picture or whatever? You know? Oh God, if you're like 80, I'm like 90. <laughs> Actually, I'm 107. I'm so, I'm so old. All right, guys. So let's get into this watcher. Uh, house story. I remember hearing about this a few years ago. I think I saw a a, um, a documentary on it where they talked about it. It was fucking crazy. I remember hearing about this pretty, you know, because it happened in 2014, so I think I heard about it not long after it happened. And I think that because um, they talk about it a little bit in this article, the like, I swear I thought it was a different network that uh aired it but um apparently it was on a uh, lifetime it That's was probably a lifetime where I saw it was it. a lifetime movie was where they uh when the cuz there was a movie made about this and it but it was lifetime that produced it and uh yeah in 2016 and it was um like the the names were changed and the dynamic of the couple was completely different but it was basically the same the same story um and apparently the people that the couple that this actually happened to was like they tried to file uh i think an injunction they like did not want this movie made like they were trying to sue because they didn't want i get it so, and in, in, in a case like this right it's just i wouldn't want that out either um, so we're going to, this article, uh, Casper actually found it. I thought this was amazing. Um, I had seen a couple articles, but really didn't find a definitive one. This one pretty much tells the whole story, even with a lot of excerpts from the letters. Uh, it's an article from thecut.com. Um, it came out in November of 2018 and it's titled The Watcher. A family bought their dream house, but according to the creepy letters they started to get, they weren't the only ones interested in it. And it was written by Reeves Whiteman. Um, so where it starts is one night in June of 2014, Derek Broadus had just finished an evening of painting at his new home in Westfield, New Jersey, when he went outside to check the mail. Derek and his wife Maria had closed on the six-bedroom house at 657 Boulevard, this fucked me up because the road is just called Boulevard. So that kind of messed me up for a minute. But it is. It's 657 Boulevard. Three days earlier and we're doing some renovations before they moved in. So there wasn't much in the mail except a few bills and a white card-shaped envelope. 
It was addressed in thick, clunky handwriting to the new owner, and the type note inside began warmly. Dearest new neighbor at 657 Boulevard, allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood. For the Broadduses, buying 657 Boulevard had fulfilled a dream. Maria was raised in Westfield. That was about to be a tongue twister. Glad I made Maria it Maria was wasted. Was I was straight I up. Said I, I was straight up like Maria. No. Maria uh, was wasted in Westfield. I'm not Elmer Fudd. Uh, <laughs> and the house was a few blocks from her childhood home. Derek grew up working class in Maine and then moved his way up the ladder at an insurance company in Manhattan to become a senior vice president with a salary large enough to afford. 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 See, I did it. I knew it was going to happen at some point. Uh, the house at the time was $1.3 million. Only. Uh, the Broadduses, right, only. The Broadduses had bought 657 Boulevard just after Derek celebrated his 40th birthday, and their three kids were already debating which of the house's fireplaces Santa Claus would use. But as Derek kept reading the letter from his new neighbor, it took a turn. How did you end up here? The writer asked. Did 657 Boulevard call to you with its force within? The letter went on. 657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now, and as it approaches its 110th birthday, I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. Bitch, what my the fuck? The house is coming again? My grandfather watched the house in the 20s, my father watched it in the 60s, and it is now my time. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. Wow. <laughs> I really don't. Ugh. The author's reconnaissance. Thank you. No, I was I'm like, done. Renaissance. No. There's a lot going on with that word. But yeah, <laughs> reconnaissance. Had apparently already begun. The letter identified the Broadus's Honda minivan. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> like, what were we just talking about? <laughs> right? As well as the workers renovating the home, I already see that you have flooded 657 Boulevard with contractors so you can destroy the house as it was supposed to be. The person wrote, tisk, tisk, tisk. Bad move. You don't want to make 657 Boulevard unhappy. Earlier in the week, Derek and Maria had gone to the house and chatted with their neighbors while their children, who were 5, 8, and 10 years old, ran around the backyard with several kids from the neighborhood. The letter writer seemed to have noticed... You have children. I have seen them. So far, I think there are three that I have counted. The anonymous correspondent wrote before asking if there were more on the way. Do you need to fill the house with the young blood I requested? Better for me. Was your old house too small for the growing family? Or was it greed, or was it greed to bring me your children? And once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me. I'm so sorry. <clears throat> the envelope had no return address. Who am I? The person wrote. There are hundreds and hundreds of cars that drive by 657 Boulevard each day. Maybe I'm in one. Look at all the windows you can see from 657 Boulevard. Maybe I'm in one. Look out. That's so fucking creepy. Maybe, or look out of many of the windows at all of the people who stroll by each day. Maybe I am one. The letter concluded with a suggestion that this message would not be the last. Welcome, my friends. Welcome. Let the party begin. Followed by a signature typed in the cursive font, The Watcher. It was after 10 p.m. and Derek Broaddus was alone. He raced around the house, turning off lights so no one could see inside. When the Westfield Police Department, an officer came to a house. Then the Westfield Police Department. An officer came to the house, read the letter, and said, What the fuck is this? He asked Derek if he had enemies and recommended moving a piece of construction equipment from the back porch in case the walker... 
the the zombie the watcher tried to toss it through a window Derek rushed back to his wife and kids who were living at their old home elsewhere in Westfield that night Derek and Maria wrote an email to John and Andrea Woods the couple who sold that the couple who sold them 657 Boulevard asked if they had any idea who the watcher might be or why she had he or she had written I asked the woods to bring me young blood, and it looks like they listened. Okay, so if anybody else isn't getting completely creeped the fuck out by the right. young blood thing, this is repeated over and over and over again in a lot of these letters. That is single-handedly probably the creepiest part of all of this was that young blood thing. The way they kept saying that. Because they were like, talking about the children. Ew! Like, I do. God. Just something about constantly saying, bring me young blood. I'm like... And then I'm over here going... Young but but you want it, so you want me out of your lap. <laughs> oh, stupid! Was that Harry Styles? I. Why are you asking me that? I know one Harry Styles song. If it's not Watermelon Sugar, I don't know what the fuck it is, and that's only because of TikTok. Okay, I am way too old, ma'am. I have no idea who sang it. For the love of Christ, don't ever ask me again if something's a Harry. Styles. You're like. Why the fuck are you asking me that, bitch? I don't, I don't fucking know. <laughs> I, I love you so I don't know who it was. I just Maybe love the dynamic of our friendship. Look, if you can't look at your friend and go, bitch, what the fuck, then are you even really friends? Are you? <laughs> are you, though? Because some of the shit that comes out of our mouth. You were like, is that Harry Styles? I'm like, excuse me. You're like, and this is when the generational difference comes into play. There it is right there. I don't fucking know. I wouldn't have even known. It's true. <laughs> That's true. I'm over here, like, when I started getting into the. Hold on. When I stopped being into the new music was around Sean Mendez and. See, me too. And I What's was like, I don't. Charlie Puth. Like, that's when I kind of started. I mix all of them up. They're I, the same. I literally thought all of those songs were by the same person. And then I looked it up and I was like, they're basically by the same person. They're basically we went by the through same a, person. We went through a time where all of the boys sounded the same. And now we're going through a time where all of the girls sound the same. And they all sound like fucking Nicki Minaj. Like, I don't understand what's happening. But like old Nicki Minaj. <laughs> Like, the other day, like, I had never heard of Megan Thee Stallion if it wasn't for TikTok. I'm like, who the fuck? Um, I love Megan Thee Stallion. I do, too, honestly. I love her so much. I actually do. But, like, I love but at first, her I was as like, who a the person, fuck is that? though, because she's, like, <clears throat> like, even at the height of her career, she went back to college and got her degree. Bless her. And she's so, like, as a black woman, too, like, she's a role model. She's like I really, amazing. I really love a lot. That Just was how to, the but, body positivity, yeah. how smart she is. Um, talking a lot about like, especially something imp important to Black women, like talking about like investing your money. Like she, this is not like she's not a one note. No, she is very, 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 and very, very smart. Yeah, and gorgeous. <laughs> yes. But and naturally beautiful. Yes, yeah, she is. Like, she has so many pictures on her social medias where it's, like, this no thing. wig, no nails, no makeup. And I'm, like, you are 
which women are gorgeous regardless even with all of that women. you're gorgeous you're just you're women you're gorgeous just women but i mean like when she has none of that on and she's just her natural self i'm like you are a gorgeous woman <laughs> You are legitimately a gorgeous woman. Well, when I first heard it, I was like, oh my god, is this just another fucking twinkly-ass person? And then I looked into her and I listened to her music and I was like, it's just like what happened with Billie Eilish. I was like, I take it back. I take it all back. I like her. I like her a well, lot, Well, it's actually. just she's, for me, okay, so literally I'm old enough to be Billie Eilish's mom. True. So that was kind of rough with me at first when she came out. I was like... <laughs> She's 17. Yikes. I'm like, <laughs> that, that that bothers me a little bit when people come out and I'm like, I could be your mom. I could really be your mom. This is a little weird. And then again, like I'm, we, I'm loving that we're having more and more and more of these younger women putting so much emphasis on mental health and body positivity. Yes, I love it. And both of those women are pushing that so much to a generation it. that really really needs that because my generation didn't have that your generation was kind of starting to see some of that but mine really didn't have that so the generations now need that all of the remodels they can get yeah that yeah so it's nice to see yeah i did not have that i had like there was like kate moss and it's like oh you're supposed to be a negative zero <laughs> that's the size you're so like well that's literally never gonna happen well i take it back there was tyra banks she was kind of the only one in the modeling as far as like model role models with bodies that you were like okay because that is what an acceptable body oh you're you have a body you're not a literal you're twig. not a size zero that doesn't exist yeah because that doesn't exist it doesn't. at all um, anyway, so Derek rushed back to his wife and kids who were living at their old home elsewhere in Westfield. That night, Derek and Maria wrote an email. Oh, I'm sorry. You read that part already. Andrea Woods. So the couple that lived there prior, uh, they responded the next morning by saying a few days before they moved out, they had received a letter from the watcher. Uh, they only noted that it was odd. And made similar mention of the Watcher's family observing the house over time. But Andrea said that she and her husband had never received anything like that in the 23 years that they lived in the house. They threw the letter away that night without much thought. That day, the Woodses went with Maria to the police station where Detective Leonard Lugo told her not to tell anyone about the letters, including her new neighbors, most of whom she had never met and all of whom were now suspects. The Broadus has spent the coming weeks on high alert. Derek canceled a work trip. And whenever Maria took the kids to their new house, she would yell their names if they wandered into a corner of the yard. When Derek gave a tour of the renovation to a couple on the block, he froze when the wife said, it'll be nice to have some young blood in the neighborhood. The Broaddus' general contractor arrived one morning to find that a heavy sign he'd hammered into the front yard had been ripped out overnight. Two weeks after the letter arrived, Maria stopped by the house to look at some paint samples and check the mail. She recognized the thick black lettering on a card-shaped envelope and called the police. Welcome again to your new home at 657 Boulevard, the watcher wrote. The workers have been busy and I have been watching you unload carfuls of your personal belongings. The dumpster is a nice touch. Have they found what is in the walls? In time, they will. This time, the watcher had addressed Derek and Maria directly, yet misspelling their last names as Bradis. Had the watcher been close enough to hear one of the Bradis' contractors addressing them? The watcher boasted of having learned a lot about the family in the preceding weeks, especially about their children. 
the, I, the letter identified the Broadus as three kids by birth, order, and their nicknames, the ones that Maria had been yelling. I am pleased to know your names and the names of the young blood you have brought me. You certainly say their names often. The letter asked about one child in particular whom the writer had been using an easel, whom the writer had seen using an easel inside an enclosed porch. Is she the artist in the family? Um, I'll read this part of the letter before I let Casper take over because this is real. I think this is pretty much the entirety of it. This is fucking Six five seven. I mean, it's like bad enough you're getting this shit to you, but when there's kids involved, I'm like, absolutely yeah. not. Six five seven Boulevard is anxious for you to move in. It has been years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of the house. Have you found all of the secrets it holds yet? Will the young blood play in the basement, or are they too afraid to go down there alone? I would be very afraid if I were them. It is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. Jesus. Will they sleep in the attic, or will they sleep? on the second floor who has the bedrooms facing the street i'll know as soon as you move in it will help me to know who is in which bedroom then i can plan better all of the windows and doors in 657 boulevard allow me to watch you and track you as you move through the house who am i i am the watcher and i have been in control of 657 boulevard for the better part of two decades now the woods family turned it over to you it was their time to move and kindly sold it when i asked them to i pass by many times a day 657 boulevard is my job my life my obsession and now you are too, Braddis family. Welcome to the product of your greed. Greed is what brought the past three families to 657 Boulevard, and now it has brought you to me. Have a happy moving in day. You know I will be I, I will be watching. Fuck that. He, so he literally described the entire house. So he knows the, or he, he, her, whatever, knows the entire layout of the house. No. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pass. I would not be able to handle that. Especially, like, I'm, I'm, so, my husband and I don't have any kids, but I'm here by myself a lot. So, that just in and of itself, if I started getting letters where someone was watching our house, and I'm here by myself all the yeah, time, no. oh my god, no. There's, no, no. Absolutely not. That, I mean, like, it fucks you up enough with kids, but I'm just thinking an instance of, like, myself and my husband i'm by myself a lot of the times so there is yeah no there's no, there's you. no way derek and maria stopped bringing their kids to the house they were no longer sure when or if they would move in several weeks later a third letter arrived where have you gone to the watcher wrote six seven six five seven boulevard boulevard is missing you many westfield residents compare their town to mayberry the idyllic setting for the andy griffiths show the kind of place where a new neighbor might greet you with a welcoming note. Westfield is 45 minutes from New York and a bit too slow for singles, meaning the town's 30,000 residents are largely well-to-do families. This year, Bloomberg ranked Westfield the 99th richest city in America. <clears throat> Excuse me. But only the 18th wealthiest in New Jersey. And in 2014, when the watcher struck, the website Neighborhood Scout named it the country's 30th safest town. The most pressing local issues of late, according to residents, have been the temporary closure of Trader Joe's after a roof collapse and the rampant scourge of unconstitutional policing, by which they mean aggressive parking enforcement. Hmm. Westfield is 86% white. <laughs> I love when I first read that article and I saw that's what white people consider unconstitutional policing. Uh-huh. Okay. Anyway. Uh... <laughs> 
Uh-huh. One activity all locals recognize as treacherous is trying to buy a house. There's a lot of money and a lot of ego. One resident who requested anonymity is literally anonymity. the dumbest one. I'm like, Jesus. You're like, I know that word, but what? Like, I know it in my head, but I can't read it. What was like reconnaissance? You know you've heard the word a million times, but then when you see it spelled out, you're like, that's not. That's not that word. Before discussing Westfield real estate told me, I've seen bidding wars where friends lost by $300,000. The Broadus' house was on the boulevard, a wide tree-lined street with some more desirable homes in town, as the watcher had noted. The boulevard used to be the street to live on, but you made it if you lived on the boulevard. Uh, so the house itself was built in 1905, and uh, it's considered one of the grandest homes on that block. So when the Woods, after 23 years, put it on the market, it received multiple offers above the asking price. That led to the Broadduses to initially suspect that the watcher might be someone upset over losing out on the house. That kind of made sense to me. Um, but the Woods has said one interested buyer had backed out after a bad medical diagnosis while another had already found a different home. In an email to the Broadduses, Andrea Woods proposed another theory. Would the mention of the contractor trucks and your children suggest that it was someone in the neighborhood. I, yeah, I honestly thought at first that it sounded like someone who lost out on the bid and was like pissed off that somebody was moving in. It's straight up, it. to be honest with you, sounds like somebody genuinely just fucking with them. Or that too. Like, I thought about that too. Like, because unfortunately there's people that are like that. Like, they're more of a sociopath where they were just, they just take, they're not going to actually do anything. They just take sick pleasure in knowing that they're fucking with you, which is kind of even more insidious right the letters did indicate proximity they had been processed in kearney the u.s postal services distribution distribution center in northern new jersey the first was postmarked june 4th before the sale was public the woodses had never put up a for sale sign and only a day after the contractors arrived the renovations were mostly interior and people who lived nearby say they didn't even notice commotion even the jackhammering in the basement when Derek and Maria walked Detective Lugo around the house, as they showed him the easel on the porch was hidden uh, from the street by vegetation, making it difficult to see unless someone was behind the house or right next door. A few days after the first letter, Maria and Derek went to a barbecue across the street, welcoming them and another new homeowner to the block. The Broadduses hadn't told anyone about the watcher as the police instructed, and found themselves scanning the party for clues while keeping tabs on their kids who ran guilelessly through a crowd that made up much of the suspect pool. We kept screaming at them to stay close, Maria. Said people must have thought we were crazy. I would have felt crazy at, at that right? point. Like, seriously. This is where shit gets weird when this family comes in. Right. This, this kind of makes it a little... This is when shit gets kind of weird. It, it means already weird, but like... Now it's almost like, oh, okay. It gets weirder, I guess yes. you can say. <laughs> it's already weird, then it gets weirder. At one point, Derek was chatting with John Schmidt, who lived two doors down, when Schmidt told him about the Langfords, who lived between them. Peggy Langford was in her 90s, and several of her adult children were all in their 60s, lived with her. The family was, in a, was a bit odd, Schmidt said, but harmless. He described one of the younger Langfords, Michael, who didn't work and had a beard like Ernest Hemingway, kind of a Boo Radley character. 
To Kill a Mockingbird, in case anybody out there is too young to know who Boo Radwood is. God, that made me feel old saying that. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Derek thought the case was solved. The Langford house was right next to the easel on the porch. The family had lived there since the 60s. When the watcher's father, the letters, the watcher's father, the letters said, had been a gun observing the 657 Boulevard. Richard Langford, the family patriarch, had died 12 years earlier, and the current watcher claimed to have been on the job for the better part of two decades. When the Broadduses told Lugo about the family, he said he already knew a week after the first letter arrived, he brought Michael Langford to police headquarters for an interview. Michael denied knowing anything about the letters, but the Broadduses say that Lugo told them that the narrative of what he said matched things mentioned in the letters. This is at CSI Westfield. Lugo told the Broadduses, when the wife is dead, it's the husband. But there wasn't much hard evidence, and after a few weeks, the police chief told the Broadduses that short of an admission, there wasn't much the department could do. This is someone who threatened my kids, and the police are saying, probably nothing's going to happen, Derek said. Probably isn't good enough for me. After the second letter, Derek told the cops that if they didn't take care of the situation, they would have a different kind of case on their hands. This person attacked my family, and where I'm from, if you do that, you get your ass beat, Derek told me. Frustrated, this is, I mean, that's where I come from, shit. Um, frustrated, the Broadduses began their own investigation. Derek became especially obsessed. He set up webcams in the home and spent nights crouched in the dark, watching to see if anyone was watching the house at close range. Maria thought I was crazy. He told me recently at a coffee shop in Manhattan where he covered a table with documents relating to the case, including copies of the letters which he and his wife had shared with only a few friends and family members. He, show, he showed me a map displaying when each of 657's neighborhoods, or neighbors rather, had moved in. The Langfords were the only ones that had been there since the 60s. With overlays marking possible sight lines for the easel and a circle for approximate range of earshot to estimate who might have heard Maria yelling their kids' names, only a few homes fit both criteria. The Broaddus has also turned to several experts. They employed a private investigator who staked out the neighborhood and ran background checks on the Langfords, but didn't find anything noteworthy. Derek reached out to a former FBI agent who served as the inspiration for Clara's Starling and the Silence of the Lambs. They were in a high school board of trustees together, and they also hired Robert Lenihan, the, another former FBI agent, to conduct a threat assessment. Lenihan recognized several old-fashioned ticks in the letters that pointed to an older writer. The envelope was addressed to M.M. M. M. Braddis. This I have not seen that in years. That's, that's, that's old when you're referring to Mr. and Mrs. If you do M slash yep. M, that is super old. Not many like people early know about 1900s that. Yeah. old. Yeah. yeah. Um, the salutations included the day's weather, warm and humid, sunny and cool for a summer day, and the sentences had double spaces between them. The letters had a certain literary panache, which suggested a voracious reader. And a surprising lack of profanity given the level of anger, which Linehan thought meant a less macho writer. Maybe he wondered the Watcher had seen the Watcher, starring Keanu Reeves as a serial killer who stalks the detective while trying to catch him. I've never seen that movie. I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. Linehan didn't think the Watcher was likely to act on the threats, but the letters had enough typos and errors to imply a certain eroticism. The first letter was dated Tuesday, June 4th, but that day was a Wednesday. There was also a seething anger directed at the wealthy in particular. The watcher was upset by new money moving into town. Are you one of those Hoboken transplants who are ruining Westfield and by the Broadduses' relatively modest renovations? 
The house is crying from all of the pain it is going through. You have changed it and made it so fancy. You are stealing its history. It cries for the past and what used to be in the time when I roamed its halls. The 1960s were a good time for 657 Boulevard when I ran from room to room, imagining the life with the rich occupants there. The house was full of life and young blood. Then it got old and so did my father. But he kept watching until the day he died, and now I watch and wait for the day when the young blood will be mine again. You know, them talking about this young so blood, weird. makes it just makes me think of a satanic cult. It really does. Yeah. Because they actually genuinely sacrifice children. Well, I immediately, I mean, that's what it made me think of when I thought of, it, it felt like to me someone that had been in that neighborhood for a really long time. Right. That didn't like the fact that that house was being disturbed in a way because of what had happened there previously. And just all of that seems to point to somebody that was obviously in some type of satanic, like some type of... Yeah. And I, I don't... <clears throat> I, I hate when you say satanic because that gets kind of weird, but like when you get people that don't... These aren't people that necessarily believe in like Satanism. They're like really fucked in the head and they genuinely think they can conjure demons by sacrificing animals and young children. These are people like, who actually really believe in up. Satan. Like, like they think there is a, a literal Satan demon that they are trying to possess yes. within themselves. And by doing so, they sacrifice young children and animals. And that is so fucked. I mean, it's, it's actually based on a lot of stuff that Christians write about Satan. So that in and of itself doesn't even make any sense. It's like, this is why, like, what? when I grew up Baptist, I had what to are you talking about? genuinely educate myself on the difference between Satanism, Church of Satan. They're completely different. Uh, Lucifer, Luciferians. It, it, it is oh, God, such, a such a giant twisted Lucifer mess. Lucifer is, is of light. Is a light giver. Is of light. It's, it's a, it's, yeah. Anyway. Well, that's why his name that's is Lucifer. Lucifer. Lucifer Morningstar. Morningstar. Well, that's, that's why I just, when you, when you reference cults like this that did shit like that, it was all, those morons were all doing it off the basis of a Christian construct of Satan. That's why when really I say satanic, made, I say made, Satan made no, made no sense. Like there is a difference. Because that's not even the tenets that the Church of Satan follows. Exactly. It's. The Christian concept exactly. of what Satan That's why is when you like, talk about satanic cults, you have to follow that up with not Church of Satan, actual Satan believing, worshiping people. Because Church of Satan doesn't even believe in Satan. Yeah, that's they're not humanists. even the tenets. It's, they're yeah. literally humanists. Right. And then satanic Satanists who actually worship Satan do those kinds of things where it's like, and these people do exist. They genuinely do exist. They think that they have some kind of power because they give offerings to Satan and then in return they get, excuse me, riches. Or... And really a lot of, they're, they're, and I'm, I'm not trying to make light of mental illness at all, but they are mentally ill yeah. people. This has nothing to do with religion. This has nothing to do with Satan. I mean, it literally has nothing to do with that. They're crazy. Like something, I mean, this is like what David Berkowitz 
Even though there has been some evidence that that might have been a cult and not David Berkowitz. But anyway, like, y'all might want to look into that shit. But, any, but like, David Berkowitz, like, would have visions of, like, sacrifices to a demon and stuff like, and that, that's, that's, you're fucked up in the head. That doesn't even have anything to do with religion. You're just, you're just fucked in the head. Also, I kind of wonder if a lot of these people weren't raised super duper super duper super duper christian and that and went to the other extreme jeffrey Dahmer. (laughs) i mean but seriously in all honesty when you when you're raised so superly religious and so much of that shit is repressed and you're already mentally ill it lionel Dahmer has gone on record of saying that he could forgive his son for being a serial killer but but he could not forgive i'm like sir your son wasn't just a serial killer. He had heads in the closet, sir. He liked to eat his victims. And he was well. eating penises, sir. Like, not in the fun this aspect. Is, no, this, sir. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, do you have time Jeffrey to talk about our Lord and Savior? <laughs> Jeffrey wasn't just a serial killer, Lionel. Like, there was a whole lot. But again, this is... But that how fucked up is that? Because of the repression. You're so s- much of that is repressed that it starts to manifest itself in these vi- very violent, psychosexual. I'm telling you, there is so much religious oppression. BTK. And, and repress. Wow. Literally. How many serial killers could we name that fall into that category? We BTK. Just named, we just named two. There's a hell of a lot more of them. He out was there. super into BDSM, but felt like he didn't have an outlet. So he, and because of church. He got found out because the disc was sent from the email he sent to the police was from his own church this guy was extremely sexually repressed and then that's when you start harboring these crazy psychosexual fantasies a lot of that falls in line with religious and it's like if you if you have these psych if you have these fantasies it is okay like literally stop it you can still love god and masturbate yes still love god yes and have freaky sex you can yes like you can be like you can literally stop that you can literally chain to your fucking bed on saturday night in church sunday morning listen you can do it. It's okay. People are still being affected by this. Ooh, I was just... affected by it. Yeah. I wasn't allowed to talk about sex at all. It See was that? it was a oh sin to masturbate. It was a sin to have sex before marriage. It is a sin to they don't even like to talk about it. Talking about it with my parents was so awkward. While they're eating shrimp and wearing woolen linen. Well, let me tell you, I eat shrimp and pussy. How about fucking that? <laughs> you can't pick and choose. It's not how it works. And it's both seafood, is it not? No, That's not what the Bible is. Like, no, I just, I pick this, not this. And this, not this. And this, not that. And this, not that. And this, and not that. That's that's what they do with that's the scriptures. That's, like, that's what they do. That's, this doesn't fit so my narrative. Many- and I don't even like to say Christians because y'all are twisted. That is not. This doesn't fit my narrative. You're pick and choose Christians. <laughs> like, eh, some, maybe, but no, but no. And actually what's crazy <laughs> is that I have found, like we were talking about, a lot of trauma that comes from parents or, you know, whatever, 
what is behind, like, the main umbrella of what's behind all of it is religion. Yeah. I'm doing this because God told me to in the Bible. Bitch, show me in the Bible. Where? Show me. Where is it? And don't pick and choose. Don't fit your narrative. Where? Because the God I know isn't this one. I don't know what the fuck this is, but... Anyway, I could go. I'm going to go no. on the tangent. But don't no, and it's mostly, <laughs> and then too, with Christians, the way you were raised, it's like, oh, well, we do Old Testament. What? Uh, <laughs> yeet. Uh, New Testament now. <laughs> no, they, they listen to the Old Testament because don't forget oh, well, that's right. Oh, that's right. Because right. gay. That's right. That's right. They pick and choose from the Old Testament. Because what's really funny is someone actually made a TikTok about this? Because Lot's daughters, Lot's daughters, getting him drunk and having sex with their own father. We don't. They so, want to bring up Sodom and Gomorrah all day long. Yeah, because they. But think then it's they about don't want to talk gay. about. That's why you know that, right? I know. They think it's because it was all homosexuality. It's like, like how about you know they wanted actually, to to bang some angels? Like, how about what's really fun. funny? <laughs> it's kind of let's, let's talk about this for a second. What's really funny is how the Bible actually said. Man shall not lay with a boy. But then the church was like, oh shit, we do that. So we got to change the <laughs> man. Wait. <laughs> we can't get married. So we did a little boys. We got to change that. Men can't marry men and women can't marry women because we got to change. This the is why the Pope said, just said childless couples are the enemy. It's because y'all want us to have more kids. So you can rape. <laughs> They're running out of supply. Oh my god, we're going to hell. <laughs> got my sunscreen. And a hand basket. Got my sunscreen. Ready oh wait, all the gays are going to be there? <laughs> hell yes. <laughs> the queer party. I'm so happy. <laughs> oh my god, how did we even get here? I don't um, know, this is amazing. Um, anyway. Um, <laughs> how did we get here? I love it. Linehan recommended looking into former housekeepers or their descendants. Perhaps the watcher was jealous that the Broadduses had bought a home that the writer couldn't afford. By the focus, um, see, I don't think that either. I don't know. Honest to God, <laughs> I think this is somebody that is just weird. That's just yeah. was wanting to freak these people out. But the focus remained on the Langfords. In cooperation with Westfield police, the Broadduses sent a letter to the Langfords announcing plans to tear down the house, hoping to prompt a response, and nothing happened. Detective Lugo brought Michael Langford in for a second interview but got nowhere, and his sister Abby accused the police of harassment. Eventually, the Broadduses hired Lee Levitt, a lawyer, who met with several members of the Langford family as well as their attorney to show them the letters, along with photos explaining how their home was one of the few vantage points from which the easel could be seen. The meeting grew tense, Levitt told me, and the Langfords insisted Michael was innocent. One night, Derek had a dream in which he confronted Peggy, the eldest Langford, and demanded that she build an eight-foot fence between the properties. Maria was having other kinds of dreams. One night, she woke up to an especially vivid dream about a man who lived nearby. He was wearing boots, carrying a pitchfork, and calling to the kids, and I couldn't get to them in time, Maria said. She thought almost anyone could be the watcher, which made daily life feel like navigating a labyrinth of threats. She probed the faces of shoppers at Trader Joe's to see if they looked strangely at her and spent hours Googling anyone who seemed suspicious. Yeah, this would, this is literally driving this me is, crazy. This is literally paranoia, but like justified. Like genuinely like. And I keep going back to the fact that their kids are involved. Like that, that is what it is. Like the kids. Like this isn't, this is. 
crazy. Just like, she has... They keep referencing young blood, and it's like, somebody's gonna hurt my kids. Like, right. that's, you know, and the mom, of course, like, is bitch, having I a dream. Get it. Of course, the mom is dreaming that someone's gonna come after her kids. Like, well, yeah. mama bear, you know, immediately, she's, like, in protective mode. There were reasons to consider other suspects. For one thing, the police spoke to Michael before the second letter was sent, which would make sending two more especially reckless, which I do agree. It, like, if you're wanting to give yourself away, that'd be a dead giveaway. Um, the Broadus say that Lugo told them that he wouldn't receive any more letters after he spoke to Michael. Then there was the rest of the neighborhood to consider. The private investigator found two child sex offenders within a few blocks. See, I... That kind of piqued my... I was like, okay, well, maybe. Bill Woodward, who was the Broadus' house painter, had also noticed something strange. The couple behind the home kept a pair of lawn chairs strangely close to the Broadus' property. One day I was looking out the window and saw this older guy sitting in one of the chairs, Woodward told me. He wasn't facing his house. He was facing the Broadus's. By the end of 2014, the investigation had stalled. The watcher had left no digital trail, no fingerprints, and no way to and no way to place someone at the scene that could have been hatched uh, from pretty much any mailbox in northern New Jersey. The letters could be read closely for possible clues or dismissed as the nonsensical ramblings of a sociopath. It was like trying to find a needle in the haystack, said Scott Krause, who helped investigate the case for the Union County Prosecutor's Office. In December, the Westfield Police told the Broadduses that they had run out of options. Derek showed the letters to the priest who agreed to his priest who agreed to bless the house. The renovations to 657 Boulevard, including a new alarm system, were finished within a few months. But the idea of moving in filled the Broadduses with overwhelming anxiety. Well, no shit. Could they let their kids play outside or have friends over? Would they get a new letter every week? Derek priced out the how trained German shepherds and posted a job on a website for military veterans. All you have to do is work out in the backyard every day. But the Broadduses hadn't brought 657 to feel bunkered in a fortress. At the end of the day, it came down to, what are you willing to risk? Maria told me. We weren't going to put our kids in harm's way. Derek had been responding to occasional alarms at the house, sometimes in the middle of the night, bringing a knife with him just in case. They were so joyous about their new home, but within days, they were petrified. Bill Woodward, the painter, said, I'm a stranger, and Maria was crying and shaking in my arms. It didn't help that the watcher seemed to be getting more and more unhinged. 657, this is a, this is a letter. This letter is... <sighs> They get more and more fucked up, but this one is This one really... was a lot. 657 Boulevard is turning on me. It is coming after me. I don't understand why. What spell did you cast on it? It used to be my friend, and now it is my enemy. I am in charge of 657 Boulevard. It is not in charge of me. I will fend off its bad things and wait for it to become good again. It will not punish me. I will rise again. I will be patient and wait for this to pass and for you to bring the young blood back to me. 657 Boulevard needs young blood. It needs you. Come back. Let the young blood play again like I once did. Yet let the young blood sleep in 657 Boulevard. Stop changing it and let it alone. The Broadus has had so... That sounds so much like David Berkowitz. I'm telling yeah. you, you look in this shit that... Like David Berkowitz's journals when he was talking about that dog talking it. This sounds so much like... Which, frankly, almost sounds like someone that's schizophrenic, too. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Because you can... You can almost tell by the way it's written that someone is, whoever's writing it is extremely mentally Especially Ill. this, that last letter, like, why, what did you do to the house? Why is it turning against me? And I'm like, okay, this is, this is someone that's unhinged. This, this oh, doesn't yeah. even sound so much like a sociopath that's just getting their rocks off at fucking with these people. This sounds like someone that, that could quite possibly, and I'm, again, literally making no light to mental health. 
I have mental health health issues. I have many people that I love yep. and care for that have been in and out of my life that have had mental health issues, including schizophrenia. That is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about untreated mental health disorders that if left untreated can dissolve rapidly and mm-hmm. they can lead to stuff like this happening where this person may not necessarily be dangerous but they clearly need help yes like they may not have actually done anything to these people but just the fact that your your uh mental health has reached a point where you've not treated it and this is where your brain is now that is sad and sick and you know needs help because even if you're not going to act on it these letters are fucked up yeah. and they're getting more and more and more fucked up as it goes along. So, yeah. So the Bardas's whole, okay. The Bardas's had sold their old home. So they moved in with Maria's parents while continuing to pay the mortgage and property taxes on 657 Boulevard. I had to do things like shovel the driveway. Just picture that little in, 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 in indignity. Got it. God, I'd go at five in the morning and come back and do it again in my in-laws. They only, they told only a handful of friends about the letters, which left others to ask why they weren't moving in. Legal issues, they said, and wondered if they were getting divorced. They fought constantly and started taking medication to fall asleep. I was a depressed wreck, Derek said. Maria decided to see a therapist after a routine doctor's visit that began with the question, how are you, caused her to burst into tears. The therapist said she was suffering post-traumatic stress that would not go away until they got rid of the house. Yeah, that's... Duh. That is definitely post-traumatic stress. Six months after the letters arrived, the Broadduses decided to sell 657 Boulevard. They initially listed it for more than they paid to reflect the renovations they've done. This is always so sad because a lot of people don't realize that even as many renovations as you put into a home, you're not always going to get back exactly. It's like when you put a lot into a car. Yeah. You're not always going to get, you're you're definitely not going to get back exactly what you put into it. Some improvements will boost the price, but everything that you put into it, do not expect to get all that back. No. It's just, it, it will not work Absolutely that way. Um, but few worlds are more gossipy than suburban New Jersey real estate. I mean, obviously this was going to get out. And rumors had already begun to swirl about why the house set empty. One broker emailed to say her client loved it, but that there had been many unsubstantiated rumors flying around ranging from sexual predator to stalker and that they needed to know more. The Broadduses sent a partial disclosure mentioning the letters to interested buyers and told Coldwell Banker, their realtor, that they intended to show the full letters to anyone whose offer was accepted. Several preliminary bids came in and well below the asking price, but the Broadduses weren't ready to take such a financial hit and only wanted to share the letters with likely buyers. No one got that far, even after they lowered the price. A Coldwell agent who hadn't read the letters told them in an email that they were being unnecessarily forthcoming. My friend got horrible threatening letters about her dog barking and she didn't think to disclose. But the Broadduses insisted. I don't know how you live through what we did and think you could do that to somebody else, Derek said. Derek and Maria thought about what they would have done had the previous owners told them about their letter from the Watcher. The Woodses, who were both retired scientists, told the Broadduses that they remembered the letter they received as more strange than threatening, thanking them for taking care of the house. They say that they never had any issues. We certainly never felt watched, Andrea told them, and we rarely ever locked our doors. But the Broadduses felt the name alone was ominous enough to merit mentioning to a new family moving in. And on June 2nd, 2015, a year after buying 657 Boulevard, they filed a legal complaint against the Woodses, 
arguing that the Woodses should have, should have disclosed the letter just as they had the fact that water sometimes got in the basement. I didn't necessarily agree with this, but yeah, um, no. the Broadduses say that they hope to reach a quiet settlement. Their kids still didn't know about the watcher and their lawyer assured them at most a small legal newswire might pick up the story. I really didn't agree with that. I, the previous owners, I feel like had nothing to do with this. If these people lived in that house for 23 years and said that nothing happened to them literally until the day they moved out, they got some letters saying, thanks for taking care of the house. I, shit i wouldn't have thought anything of that either i would have probably thrown it away i'd be like what the fuck is it right, you know, like, right okay 23 years and nothing i you know what i think it had i think these people were just so at the end of their rope and so fucking stressed out i think you get to the point where you just want someone to blame and it yeah. like first it was the langfords even though it's still kind of that whole story with them is still kind of weird but like there wasn't enough evidence and then you want to blame these people and it's like but they didn't do anything. They didn't even have to tell you about the letter. And they actually did. They didn't have to say anything. Right, no. So, yeah, I don't, I just, I didn't agree with that, so. We do some creepy stories. Tamron Hall said on the Today Show a few weeks later, this might be top ten creepy. A local reporter had found the complaint, which included the snippets of the Watcher's menacing threats, and after a belated attempt by the Broadduses to seal it, the story went viral. News trucks camped out at 657 Boulevard, and one local reporter set up a lawn chair to conduct his own watch. And the Broadduses got more than 300 media requests, with it, but with advice from a crisis management consultant referred by one of Derek's colleagues, they decided not to speak publicly to spare their kids even more attention. They vacated Westfield and went to a French bee's house. They didn't find much peace. Marie's grandfather had a heart attack, and the friend they were staying with had a grand mal seizure. Eventually, Derek and Maria sat down with their children to explain the real reason they had moved into their home. The kids had plenty of questions. Who is the watcher? Where does this person live? Why is this person angry with us? To which Derek and Maria had few answers. Can you imagine having that conversation with your five-year-old? Derek told me, your town isn't as safe as you think it is. There's a boogeyman obsessed with you. From a safer distance, the watcher was a real-life mystery to solve. A commenter on NJ.com suggested ground penetrating radar to find whatever the watcher claimed was in the walls the home inspector had already looked and told Derek the only issue was the aging home's lack of insulation yeah every home before you bought I mean you should we did when we bought our house you have a home inspector yes. come in before you buy the house I literally to anyone that's gonna buy a house for the love of Christ especially if you've never bought a home before spend that little bit of extra money yes and have an inspector come in 100%. like do not like literally do not especially if you don't know what the fuck you're doing just it listen just for the peace of mind alone and um yeah easily a home inspector especially in a very affluent neighborhood like this would have found something so that's why i kept thinking this whole something in the walls i'm like yeah, no. That would have been found. Yes. So, yeah, that was that was weird to me. A group of Reddit users obsessed over Google Maps Street View, which showed a car parked in front of 657 that one user thought had a man holding a camera in the driver's seat. Others more rationally saw pixelated glare. Yeah, Google, sounds about right. Google Maps Street View. Okay. The, <laughs> the range of proposed suspects included a jilted mistress, a spurned realtor, a local high schooler's creative writing project, Gorilla from Marketing... Gruella 
marketing for a horror movie and mall goths having fun. Some people just thought the Broadduses were wimps for not moving in. I would never let this sicko stop me from living, moving into a house. Never back down from a terrace. Which irked the Broadduses. None a white them, man wrote that. Yes. Clearly. He was a Republican. None Clearly. of them have read the letters or had their children threatened by someone they didn't know. To decide whether this person's only nuts enough to write these letters and not to do something, what if something did happen? In Westfield, people were on edge. Lori Clancy, who teaches piano lessons in her house behind 657 Boulevard, told me one of her students came for a lesson shortly after the news of the watcher broke and started bawling. She was terrified to walk down the boulevard, Clancy said, at the first Westfield town council meeting after the letters became public. Mayor Andy Skibitsky assured the public that the watcher hadn't been heard from in a year, and even though the police hadn't solved the case, their investigation had been exhaustive. There was news to 657's neighbors, most of whom had never heard from the cops. We were confounded as to how a thorough investigation can be conducted without talking to all the neighbors with proximity to the home. Several of them wrote in a letter to the local paper. Under the glare of national attention, Baron Chambliss, a veteran detective in the Westfield Police, was asked to look at the case. The Broadduses are victims, and I don't think that they got the support they needed. Chambliss, who has since retired, told me recently of the initial investigation. Chambliss knew his colleagues had looked closely at Michael Langford. According to his brother, Sandy, Michael had been diagnosed with schizophrenia as a young man. He sometimes spooked newcomers to the neighborhood when he did strange things like walk through their backyard or peek into their windows of homes that were being renovated. But those who knew him said that the odd things he did were mostly just unusual neighborly kindness. He goes out and gets the newspaper for me every morning, said John Schmidt, who lives next door. People who had known Michael for decades told me they didn't think he was capable of writing these letters. Okay, listen, I'm, I don't like when people say shit like that's harmless. Because to everyone, that is not harmless. Right. I don't want anybody walking on my property and grabbing my paper and then walking on my fucking porch. Like, I personally would not like that. And I don't give a fuck what, oh, well, he's just, he's, no, I'm telling you right now, that would fuck me up. Some old man just walking through my backyard or staring in my window. Oh, he's harmless. Stop with that shit. Yeah, I no, do not, fuck, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. And that's like low-key gaslighting. Nobody where should they're be making looking this in your guy, fucking Where they're making this guy sound, act like he's harmless and he just randomly walked onto people's property like that. Like, that is fucked up. I would have a, oh my God, let me tell you right the fuck now, immediately there would be a, a fucking restraining order or whatever I have to do if somebody was doing that in my fucking neighborhood on my property. Like there, yeah, nope. no, no, absolutely not. There would be a serious problem because no. that's, that is fucked up. As Chambliss looked into the case, he discovered something surprising. Now this is interesting. This is why it keeps, I keep going back to the Langfords because this is just, this is weird. Investigators eventually conducted a DNA analysis of one of the envelopes and determined that the DNA belonged to a woman. Chambliss decided to look more closely at Abby, Michael's sister, who worked as a real estate agent. This is too weird. Was she upset about missing a commission right next door? She also worked at the local Lord and Taylor, and Chambliss coordinated with a security guard there to nab her plastic water bottle during a shift, but the DNA wasn't a match. Not, all, not long after, the prosecutor's office gave Derek and Maria some unsuspected news. They wouldn't say why or how, but they ruled out the Langfords as suspects. The Broadduses were stunned. They had recently told the prosecutors that they planned to file civil charges against the Langfords and wondered if the prosecutors were lying to prevent the story from blowing up. 
My family moved to the boulevard in 1961, and we never caused a problem for anybody, Sandy Langford told me. This guy gets all these letters, and all of a sudden he starts pointing fingers. I mean, yeah, I, it's terrible, but I can, I can understand all the way around. I don't know. That Langford thing is just still very weird for me. Left without a suspect, the Broadduses reopened their personal investigation. They were still coy about sharing too much with their neighbors who remained in the pool of suspects, but spent an afternoon walking the block with a picture of the watcher's handwritten envelope. They hoped someone might recognize the writing from a Christmas card, but the only notable encounter came when an older man who lived behind 657 said his son joked that the watcher sounded a little bit like him. A neighbor across the street was the CEO of Kroll, the security firm, and the Broadduses hired the company to look for handwriting matches, but they found nothing. They also hired Robert Leonard, a renowned forensic linguist and a former member of the band Shanana, who didn't find any noteworthy overlap when he scoured local online forums for similarities to the Watcher's writing, although he did think the authors might watch Game of Thrones. Jon Snow is one of the Watchers on the wall. At one point, I mean, Derek come on. That's a long shot. <laughs> At one point, Derek persuaded a friend in tech to connect him to a hacker willing to try to break into the Wi-Fi networks in the neighborhood to look for incriminating documents, but doing so turned out to be very illegal and more difficult than the movies made it seem, so they didn't go through it. No fucking shit. God almighty. Chambliss and the Westfield police were also back at square one. The cops asked Andrea Woods for a DNA sample and interviewed her 21-year-old son, who was surprised to find that he suddenly seemed to be a suspect. A year after the fact, it was hard to find fresh leads, and the initial police canvas had been so porous that it had missed a significant clue. Around the same time that the Broadduses had received their first letter, another family on the boulevard got a similar note from the watcher. The parents of that family lived in their house for years and their kids were grown, so they threw the letter away just as the Woods had. Wood, Woods's had. But after the news broke, one of their children posted about it on Facebook and deleted the post. When investigators spoke to the family, they confirmed that the letter had been similar to the Broadduses, but its existence only made the case more confusing. There wasn't a whole lot to go on, Chambliss told me. One night, Chambliss and a partner were sitting in the back of a van parked on Boulevard, watching the house through a pair of binoculars. Around 11 p.m., a car stopped in front of the house long enough for Chambliss to grow suspicious. He says he traced the car to a young woman in a nearby town whose boyfriend lived on the same block as 657. The woman told Chambliss her boyfriend was really into some dark video games, including Chambliss's memory, one in which she was playing a specific character, the Watcher. As for the female DNA, Chambliss figured the girlfriend or someone else could have helped. The boyfriend was living elsewhere at the time, but Chambliss says he agreed to come in for an interview on two separate occasions. He didn't show up either time. Chambliss didn't have enough evidence to compel him to appear, and with the media attention dying down, he dropped the case and moved on. That's fucking weird, too. That's really fucking like, weird. Like, where does this random couple come up out of nowhere... You don't get, you don't even try to get any DNA from this lady if there was a woman's DNA on the letter. And right. I don't know. That's fucking weird. While the Broadduses continued to be consumed by stress and fear, for the rest of Westfield, the story became little more than a creepy urban legend, a house to walk by on Halloween if you were brave enough. No one who had lived in the house before the Woodses could recall anything unusual, and it was hard for people to imagine that their idyllic neighborhood could be host to something so sinister. A woman who lives told a woman who lives nearby told me that after the news broke, she and ten or so of her neighbors had gathered in the street to puzzle out who might have sent the letter. Eventually, she said that they came to the consensus maybe the Broadduses had sent the letters to themselves. Now this gets really fucked up too. <laughs> the theory, so far as it went, was that the Broadduses had suffered buyer's remorse or realized they couldn't afford the home and concocted an elaborate scheme to get out of the sale. Or Derek was cooking up some 
kind of insurance fraud or they were angling for a movie deal. Like, this all sounds very very similar to the Lutzes. Yeah. Like, really similar to the Lutzes. The Broadduses received several offers but turned them down. Lifetime eventually released a movie called The Watcher despite a cease and desist letter from the Broadduses arguing that the couple in its movie was biracial and the letters were signed The Raven. Some locals found it noteworthy that over the course of a decade, the Broadduses had upgraded from a three- $115,000 house to a $770,000 house, then to a $1.3 million house and refinanced their mortgages. A few weeks after the letters became public, the Westfield Leader published an article in which anonymous neighbors were quoted asking why the Broadduses kept renovating a home they weren't moving into or questioning whether they had really done that much renovating at all. The leader even cast doubt on Maria's commitment to her family's safety, citing as evidence the fact that she had a public Facebook page with photos of her kids. The paper did note that the police had tested her DNA and it did not match. None of the theories made much logical sense. Uh, yeah. The Broadduses had answers to every question. How does someone go from $300,000 $300, home to a $1.3 million house in 10 years? Derek told me, it's America. But they weren't speaking publicly and the rumors were and the rumors persisted. He had a really good job, too, yeah. in New York. So, I mean, yeah, it, it could happen. One Boulevard resident wrote a letter to the editor arguing that an elaborate scheme is underway to defraud the Woods' family for millions of dollars. Chambliss told me some Westfield cops even bought into the theory. They were even more skeptics online. I live in a neighboring town. If these letters have been happening for a while, there is no doubt in my mind that it would have been made public before this. This screams a scam, says Lord Fluffernutter on Reddit. <laughs> That's amazing. The Broadduses hadn't known how their neighbors would react to the news about the Watcher, but they had lived in the area for a decade, and Maria's family had been part of the community for much longer. So it was shocking to find themselves accused of being con artists. I almost said corn artists. <laughs> to Derek, it seemed that in some Westfield preferred the conspiracy theory to considering whether their town might be home to a menace. There's a natural tendency to say, I've lived here for 35 years, nothing's happened to me, Derek said. What happened to my family? excuse me, is an affront to their contention that they're safe. There's no such thing as mental illness in their community. People don't want to believe this could happen in Westfield. While Maria looks back fondly on her childhood, she was born a few years after Westfield resident John List infamously, infamously murdered his wife, mother, and three children in their home and remembers a period when she and other kids were warned to look out for a strange man driving around town. My mother always told me don't have a false sense of security. She said it wasn't the bad things that were going to happen all the time. It was the bad things happened everywhere. She didn't want me to think about this. That this She did not want me to think that this is Mayberry. I think it's so easy for a lot of people to believe that because they live in a white, rich, affluent town that literally nothing can happen. Hilarious. It can. I mean, it was like where the Ramseys, even though I still family was involved with that but it's like the same thing rich white neighborhood nothing's ever happened here before and then this little girl gets killed and the police literally bungle the investigation as much as you could possibly yep. bungle a police investigation stop living in these idyllic worlds like it's very dangerous to have that type of mindset that yep. nothing will ever happen to me that is a very 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 dangerous mindset to have yourself in because yeah, you're just... It will happen to you. Yeah, and you're not going to be prepared at all. Like, nope. that's not a good... You know, don't live your life in fear. No. But also don't be that fucking... You can't... 
you can't live with naivete. You can't just be just aware. Be just, yeah, exactly. Just be That's aware. it. Don't be naive, but don't be terrified. Like, just be aware of what's going on around you like that's just a... just keep a very close eye on your your surroundings yeah it's real simple to do no <laughs> apparently not <laughs> for a lot of people many locals i spoke to did seem more concerned that the national press might ruin westfield's good name exactly some were primarily worried about arson or vandalism or whether the broadest would maintain the lawn they did Mark Logrippo, the neighborhood's representative on the Westfield Town Council, told me the primary concern he heard from residents was that they were worried about their property value and the stigma of the neighborhood. Of course they were. They were rich yep. white people. We don't want our property value. Oh, my God. Yeah. The Broadduses were suddenly outcast, not only from their home, but their town. Derek wanted to leave Westfield, but Maria insisted on not uprooting their kids. This person took so much from us. I wouldn't let them take more. Two years after the Watcher's letter arrived, the Broadduses borrowed money from family members to buy a second home in Westfield using an LLC to keep the location private, but staying in town was stressful. The first time Maria let her daughter go to a pool with friends, she stared at the tracker on her daughter's iPhone the whole time. One of their kids was in language arts class when the teacher led a debate about whether the family and a book they were reading should move to Westfield. The class thought they should, in part because of how safe it was. Afterwards, one of the kids told the Broadduses' child, my parents told me that no matter what your family says, Westfield is safe. That is so fucked up. Okay. And this is another reason why you don't want your kids to be involved, because other kids are fucking assholes, and their parents are assholes, and then you get stuff like and that. And then it's just an asshole circle. Meanwhile, the Broadduses still had to figure out what to do with 657 Boulevard. Their lawsuit was pending, but seemed unlikely to succeed. Some states require sellers to disclose transient social conditions like murders or possible hauntings, in a 1991 case involving an alleged ghost field house, a New York court ruled that as a matter of law, the house is haunted. But New Jersey had no such regulation. A judge later dismissed the lawsuit. The Woodses, though, the Woodses, through their attorney, declined to comment for this story. I don't blame them. Leave the Woodses alone, please, <laughs> these poor people. Derek looked into renting the house to the Department of Veterans Affairs, a company that runs and a company that runs halfway homes. In the spring of 20... Oh, Jesus Christ. No way this white affluent neighborhood was going for that place to be turned into a... Right, a, no. A halfway house. Absolutely not. In the spring of 2016, they put 657 back on the market, hoping it might garner more interest given how many people had reacted to the letters by saying that they would have ignored them and just moved in. It's like, put your money where your mouth is then. The Broadduses held a well-attended open house, after which Derek and Maria spent hours researching every person who signed in and compared their handwriting to the watchers but each time a potential buyer expressed interest and met with the Broadduses lawyers to read the letters, they backed out. Some cocky guy from Staten Island said, fuck it, I'm going to get a house at a discount, Derek recalled. He read the letters and we never heard from him again. Feeling as if they were out of options, the Broadduses real estate lawyer proposed an idea. Sell the house to a developer who would tear it down and split the property into two sellable homes. They thought they could get about a million dollars for the lot. Subdivisions like this had become common in Westfield, much to the chagrin of many locals, and 657 was one of the neighborhood's largest lots. Even so, dividing it could require the Westfield Planning Board to grant an exception. The two smaller lots would be six would be 67.5 and 67.6 feet wide, just shy of the mandated mm -hmm. 70 feet. When the proposal was publicly announced, Westfield's Facebook groups lit up. Some expressed sympathy for the Broadduses, while others pointed out real estate is always a gamble. Another faction was convinced that this was the culmination of a long con. Out of this whole scam artist story, there ends up nothing more disturbing than this move, a local woman said. A man who coached the Broadduses' son in football wrote, 
They were in over their head from day one. The application was drawing for the neighbors who had learned about the watcher from the lawsuit. And I always found it strange that the Broadduses didn't share more information, not seeming to understand they were following orders from the police, trying to protect their kids. A typical Facebook conversation went like this. Sounds like this whole watcher thing was ploy. Was a ploy. The owners are good people, not a ploy. Okay, I know nothing about them. Kristen Kemp. I don't trust her because she spells her name wrong. A friend of the Broadduses had tried to defend them on one Facebook form, but people started attacking her. Someone asked, how do we know it's not you writing the letters? Kemp told me. People fucking listen. Facebook is a goddamn dumpster fire. Like, just like it's stop just with Facebook. It's literally face literally. Uh, Facebook. When the planning board met to decide the application in January seventeen, it had already devoted a three-hour hearing to the issue. More than one hundred residents showed up. One of them, who lived across the street, had a daughter in the same grade as the Broaddus's kids, had retained a lawyer to fight the proposal. Here was a new suspect. Who but the Watcher would go as far to hire an eternity to preserve the house? After a quick discussion about a Wells Fargo branch that wanted to use brighter light bulbs than the town allowed. Tell me you live in a white town without telling me. <laughs> the, the groom grew. The groom. <laughs> the room grew as tense as suburban planning board meetings get. James Forrest, the Broadus's attorney, explained that the three-foot exemption was as narrow as the easel he was using to display a map of the neighborhood. A map that showed several lots on the block that were too small. The neighbors expressed concern that the plan might require knocking down trees and that the new homes would have aesthetically unpleasing front-facing garages. First, re Forrest repeatedly threatened the halfway house as a possible al alternative. There is no way that was going to happen. <laughs> Bad enough these people were pissing off over, like, pissed off over 0.4 inches of a lot. There's no way they were going for a fucking halfway house. Not in a neighborhood like that. No. After the lawyers had a parade of neighbors, after the lawyers, a parade of neighbors stood to speak. Glenn Dumont from across the street said the proposal would spell the end of the 600 block of Boulevard as we know it. A woman whose kids had been to the Broaddus' old home for a birthday party spoke on behalf of nine neighbors and presented 657 Boulevard as Westfield's Alamo. Our neighborhoods are constantly under attack from turf, lights, parking decks, you name it. If we can't make a stand on Boulevard, where can we? At one point, Abby Langford stood up to say that she had spent almost 60 years looking at a magnificently beautiful house and didn't want to be looking out at a driveway. The hearing lasted four hours, during which there was little discussion of the reason the Broadduses had been driven to tear down their dream home in the first place. Has anybody thought about whether or not this lunatic who did this had been apprehended, said Tom Higgins, who lived across the street towards the end of the hearing? Even so, Higgins, point, Higgins pointed out that there was no guarantee the watcher wouldn't send letters to the two new houses and argued that aesthetics should rule the day. Putting up two houses there is going to stick out like an old client of mine in Texas told me. It's going to stick out like a dog's balls. Hilarious. I mean, in well, all reality... I mean, they're rather large. <laughs> you ever seen the Sandlot? Um, while some of the God neighbors, they, that dog. <laughs> while some of the neighbors expressed compassion, their focus remained on what the Broadduses stood to gain financially and what they themselves might lose. At eleven thirty, the eleven thirty at night, the board. <laughs> Jesus, it was almost midnight. The board unanimously rejected the proposal. A New Jersey judge later denied the Broaddus' appeal of the decision. Derek and Maria were distraught. Even if the plan had gone through, it would have only stanched their financial bleeding. 
On top of the mortgage and renovations, they had already paid around $100,000 in Westfield property taxes. The town, the town denied their request for relief and spent at least that amount investigating the watcher and exploring ways to deal with the home, not to mention cleaning the gutters. The Broadduses recognized that 657 was a beautiful house on a beautiful street that was worth maintaining, but were surprised their neighbors didn't see the uniqueness of the situation. This is my town, Maria told me recently. I grew up here. I came back. I chose to raise my kids here. You know what we've been through. You had the ability two and a half years into a nightmare to make it a little better, and you have decided that the house is more important than we are. That's really how I felt. On top of all of that, her dad died recently, unexpectedly. Father Michael Saprito, the priest who blessed the house, went to one of the planned board meetings and told me he was taken aback by how many people had come up to him and said that they thought the whole thing was a hoax. I think the human element of the story was kind of lost on the neighbors, Saprito said. The watcher had expressed a desire to protect Boulevard from change, but instead had, been, instead had torn it apart. Not long after the planning board's decision, the Broadduses got some good news. A family with grown children and two big dogs had agreed to, re had agreed to rent 657 Boulevard. The renter told the Star-Ledger he wasn't worried about the watcher, though he had a clause in the lease that let him out in case of another letter. Two weeks later, Derek went to 657 to deal with squirrels that had taken up residence in the roof. The renter handed him an envelope that had just arrived. Violent winds and bitter cold to the vile and spiteful Derek and his wench of a wife, Maria. Wow. This letter, two and a half years later, the watcher appeared, came out of nowhere. It was dated February 13th, the day the Broadduses gave deposition to their lawsuit against the Woodses. You wonder who the watcher is? Turn around, idiots, the letter read. Maybe you even spoke to me, one of the so-called neighbors who has no idea who the watcher could be. Or maybe you do know and you are too scared to tell anyone. Good move. The letter was less stylish and more wrathful than the others, and it seemed the writer had been closely following the story. They had seen the media coverage. I walked by the news trucks when they took over my neighborhood and mocked me. Derek's uh, surreptitious investigative uh, efforts... I watched as you watched from the dark house in an attempt to find me. Telescopes and binoculars are wonderful inventions. And the attempt to tear down the house. 657 Boulevard survived your attempted assault and stood strong with its army of supporters barricading its gates, the letter read. My soldiers of the Boulevard followed my orders to a T. They carried out their mission and saved the soul of 657 with my orders. All hail the watcher. The renter was mentioned. He was spooked but agreed to stay if the Broadduses installed cameras around the house. But the letter indicated revenge could come in many forms. Maybe a car accident, maybe a fire, maybe something as simple as a mild illness that never seems to go away but makes you feel, but makes you fell sick day after day after day after day after day. Maybe the mysterious death of a pet, loved ones suddenly die, planes and cars and bicycles crash, bones break. Y'all, man, get a hobby. Hey, now, watcher, this get, get letter, a hobby that you know what though that this new letter though sounded like somebody told this sounded like a copy this sounded like a copycat especially by this time yeah when it's already been made to the public it's already been in the news media because even that first letter that he's that he read about like winchful uh winchful um the winch maria that doesn't sound like the the, the vibe is different yeah from the first um few letters mm -hmm. that's how i felt especially the longer it went on it just doesn't even sound like it was like we were back at the beginning said maria but it also meant fresh evidence that might help invigorate the investigation derek took the letter to police headquarters where a detective looked at a neighborhood map and traced a circle around the house 300 yards in diameter suggesting the watcher must be somewhere in there 
Derek drew one much closer. In my view, it's one of the ten houses in the world. One of ten houses in the world. The Broadduses continued to press the case, but there was still there still wasn't much for law enforcement to go on, and it was possible to look up and down the street to see the watcher and practically anyone. Residents mentioned to me a teenager whose father had grown up around the corner and a man who sometimes walked around the neighborhood playing a flute. An elderly couple behind the house had been there 47 years. The husband was the man Bill Woodward had seen sitting in a lawn chair looking at the Broaddus' house. One of their kids had married a man who grew up in, of all places, 657 Boulevard. But these were bits of information that could mean anything, everything or nothing, depending on how hard you looked at it. The Broaddus' sent the new names to the investigators whenever they found something odd, but their greatest fear was the watcher could be someone they never suspect. One day last spring, Derek picked up, picked me up at the Westfield train station. We drove past 657 Boulevard, which he and Maria tried to avoid unless they have to pick up the tax bill. It's all beautiful trees and beautiful houses, but I still feel anxious, Derek said. Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night thinking, what would my life be like if this didn't happen? We lost Christmas a couple times and you don't get that back. Christmas with a five-year-old. The Broadduses no longer live in every an ever-present fear that the watcher might strike at any moment, but they continue to deal with lingering effects from the letters. They have a new tenant at 657, but the rent doesn't cover the mortgage. Their kids are occasionally teased at school, and the conspiratorial rumors persist. They try to avoid the people who spoke out against their planning board application or accuse them of being con artists, but suburban life makes that impossible. I see these people on the soccer field at the train station, and my heart starts going like it did when I played hockey and was about to get in a fight. Derek said, when Maria found herself in a spin class at the YMCA with the head of the planning board, she went up afterward and told him, you continue to hurt my family every day. Earlier this year, the planning board approved splitting a lot around a corner that required even an even larger exception than the Broadduses. Yeah, these people just didn't, this neighborhood didn't care about these people. I know. Most people in Westfield told me they rarely thought of the Watcher anymore. The real estate market was doing fine, for one, and many were surprised to find out the Broadduses were still dealing with the problem. Hindsight made Derek and Maria wonder if they should have sold the house at a loss early on, and 657 Boulevard conjured too much emotional pain for them to ever consider moving in. They hope that a few years of renting the place without incident will help them sell it. The prosecutor's office was continuing its investigation, but the Broadduses knew it was unlikely the Watcher would ever be caught and that the legal punishment would likely be minimal. The Watcher was also no longer the only person sending anonymous letters in Westfield. Last Christmas Eve, several families received an envelope in their mailboxes. They'd been delivered by hand to the homes of people who had been the most vocal and criticizing the Broadduses online. One of them who lived a few blocks down on Boulevard had written on Facebook, I wish we could go back to the days of tar and feathers. I have just the couple in mind. Another family who got the letter told me it was weirdly poetic as the Watchers had been and that it accused the families of speculating inaccurately about the Broadduses, and included several stories about recent acts of domestic terrorism in which signs of brewing mental illness had gone unnoticed. The typed letters were signed, Friends of the Broadduses Family. The letter writer had clearly been infected not only with the Watcher's penchant for anonymous notes, but also a simmering resentment, one that had snaked its way through Westfield making enemies of neighbors. The people who received the letters didn't know who sent them, but the tone had a familiar ring to me. When I asked Derek Broaddus whether he had written them, he paused for a moment and admitted he had. Wow, he wasn't proud of it. He hadn't even told his wife. And said that and said they were the only anonymous letters that he had written. But he felt driven to his wits end, fed up with watching silently as people threw accusations at his family based on practically nothing. One of the people who received the letter told me that he had never even met the Broadduses and had no interest in doing so. 
The Watcher had been obsessed with 657 Boulevard, and Derek, in turn, had become obsessed with The Watcher and everything the letter set in motion. It's like a cancer, he told me. We think about it every day. Sitting at the West Hill train station, Derek handed me on his phone so I could read the fourth letter. You are despised by the house, it read, and The Watcher won. What a way to end that. Yeah, so... <laughs> I mean, you know what fucks me up even more is the fact that Derek turned around and wrote, I don't know. I mean, that definitely was not the right, I've known people to do that and I don't know. It definitely wasn't the right move. I think it makes him look even more suspicious that possibly it was him and his wife that were involved with having something to do with it. Um, Cause now I'm just at the point where it's like, Okay, if these if the if Michael Langford and his sister didn't have anything to do with it, were it definitely seems like it had to be a neighbor. It it's definitely somebody that's been in the house that's close enough to the house. It there's definitely it's definitely somebody that's been in the house because they knew the house to a T. So that's what was really strange because it was like, okay, well, there, there's gotta be some, there's gotta be somebody that's connected to the house in some way, whether they either lived there, had been there or were a neighbor of the house. But I think just what was most disgusting is how the neighborhood itself literally could have cared less. They just were so worried about anything having to do with tarnishing the good name of their affluent white neighborhood and god forbid the property value go down like that's what gets me about the whole thing is like they genuinely did not give a fuck a fuck about them or if anything like what if actually something happened and then they were like oh i guess we should have given a shit well i think that's what fucked me up even more is what you know what if legitimately something did happen to these people or something happened to the kids or, you know, really more importantly than anything, what if something happened to the kids? You know, that was their, that was their most important thing they did was keep the kids away from the house as much as possible. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. This is crazy how this story turned out. Um, and really you're kind of left with, you have, you still to this day have no idea who was involved. Nobody knows. And it's, it's one of those things where it's like, nobody will ever know until, uh, honestly, it's one of those things that nobody will ever know until somebody comes forward and says something. Which That's to be completely take. honest with you, the way those letters were written, that person either died because they were either really old or they just yeah. moved or they just didn't care anymore. Real quick update. Uh, apparently, Ryan Murphy has the rights to this story. And he uh, is currently filming a series on Netflix based on this story. I heard about that. Uh, I heard Naomi about Watts, that. Bobby Cannavelli, I think is how you pronounce his last name, um, and Jennifer Coolidge and Mia Farrow. Or that sounds, oh my god i fucking love jennifer Coolidge. so uh yeah I, I so i think apparently um Bo okay so bobby cannavelli and naomi watts are going to play maria and Derek. 
in the movie. Um, apparently their names are going to be changed. Jennifer Coolidge is going to be the real estate agent that sold them the house. Um, Mia Farrow is going to be a neighbor that lives next door. That um, sounds really rad. Her name's going to be Pearl, so it sounds to me like she might be the Langford mother that they mentioned, or maybe the sister. So, um, it looks great. It's it's apparently supposed to be coming out this year. Uh, I, I loved the fact that I found out Ryan Murphy was attached to it. That made me super happy. Um, but yeah, um, I'm looking forward to watching that, because I didn't watch the other lifetime movie that came out i think in 2016 not long after the story broke so i'm really interested i'm pretty to see sure this. that's what i saw yeah about it and um this definitely has the makings for a movie yeah. like or a show or something like this is just such an insanely fucked up story and i've never heard of anything like this happening before it has so many similar elements like especially when you think to yourself like maybe Maybe this was kind of like the Lutzes. Like, maybe they were kind of in over their head buying this house. And, you know, they really didn't have the money to put all the renovations into it. So they were trying to find a way to get out of it. Where I'm at. Um, sorry, you sneezed. We had to take that out. I had to loud. take that out. It was loud. Uh, but basically, talking about the Lutzes and how, um, you know, a lot of people speculated that, obviously, that home with the DeFeo murders very haunted. I mean, I don't know how you're going to have tragic death like that and not be haunted. And I'm sure some things did happen to the Lutzes, but I think it was very easy to speculate that a lot of the shit that they said was made up to get to back out out to back out of that house because really they just couldn't afford it cuz much like Westfield, New Jersey, Amityville, New York is this rich affluent neighborhood with these really expensive houses and here was this couple with three kids that Really didn't make a lot of money, really didn't have a lot of money, got a deal on the house, but we're wanting, you know, property taxes were fair, were probably very expensive. And really not just so much that, the upkeep of the house. Oh, yeah. I mean, it had a, it had a boat deck, it had the boat house in the back, the lawn, every, I mean, there was so much upkeep of that house. Yep. So it was very much similar to maybe what the Lutzes did, where they were like, we're trying to get out of, we're trying to back out of buying this house, we're gonna make up this story and... Um, I don't know. Could, is it likely that they made it up? Very well likely that they made it up. Is it likely that one of the neighbors did it? Very much so. Um, is it likely that it was just somebody that was crazy? Yeah, I mean, but I, I think what it really speaks to is the fact of how much neighborhoods like this will gaslight these situations because they're really they're just so much more worried about 100 their, their name than heaven fucking forbid so but be on the lookout for that uh netflix show i'm sometime I'm later this year so that's really cool i hope we'll start hearing more about it um but yeah that's all we have on the watcher i'm so glad that casper find that found that article because even though it was long it gave there all is, of the information that I think you could give. There is literally to no part of an that. hour and a half yep. of. Uh, I mean, it had excerpts from the actual letters, gave you as much details about Derek and Maria as you could, the neighbors, the investigations, the police, everything. So, um, yeah, if you guys knew about this story but maybe didn't know all the details, I hope we did a good job because I have been wanting to talk about this because this is just 
it's one so of the craziest crazy, stories yeah. I've ever heard. And those letters were really, really, really crazy. Didn't need that. No. And if it was me, I like if we moved into our house and started getting shit like that, oh, immediately living. no. Like I immediately be, no. I would be out. We would be, okay, I'd bye. be like, we're moving. I don't even care. I don't even care how much of a loss it is. We're we're leaving. Like, bye. Not dealing with that shit. So guys, next week we have a serial killer that we will be discussing. Robert Pinkton. Is it Pinkton or Pinkton? Pinkton. Pinkton. P-I-C. Pick, not pin. <laughs> Pick pin. Um he is a Canadian serial killer, and he's very well known for having a pig farm. He's more so known, I think, as the Canadian pig farm killer. Which is what I'm saying. Yeah, if you basically Google Canadian pig farm killer. He's immediately Robert Pickens the first, first, first person that's going to pop up. And I I heard about this not long after, uh, it's like six degrees of Silence of the Lambs tonight. Um <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal, those books. Like, that's kind of what it led me led me back to. So He is interesting. This is a crazy... This story is crazy, too. Um, I've watched documentaries about it. I know there's been other podcasts that have talked about it. But, um, yeah, this was, an, this was an interesting story. So I'm glad we get to talk about it. So My coworker actually reminded me about it. She's like, hey, you remember that guy in Canada that bad people too was pigs real quick guys in case you guys didn't know and this randomly showed up again we're going back to silence of the lambs real quick um which is a horror movie i don't care what anybody it says. is 100 um if anyone is interested in a fan of the of the movie this randomly popped up in an ad on my instagram page uh last year um well since 2020 didn't happen um last year the infamous buffalo bill house so anyone that has seen the movie the big climactic scene at the end of silence of the lands when clarice faces down uh buffalo bill by herself she's in the house the whole thing so that was filmed at a real farmhouse outside of pittsburgh in pennsylvania majority of the movie was filmed in pittsburgh but that house in particular was this really beautiful 1910 farmhouse um it was a family owned it at the time that it was filmed for the movie uh, but they decided to sell it in 2020. And a guy who uh, went to film school, has worked on a bunch of different movies, decided to buy it. He has renovated it in February of 2021, last year. He has turned it into a bed and breakfast. And it's called the Buffalo Bill House. He has completely decked it out with a bunch of different Silence of the Lambs memorabilia. Um even the basement has this like station set up the way it did when Buffalo Bill was like designing the dresses and had his wig on and everything. Now, obviously the scene in the movie where uh, the woman was kept in the hole in the ground, that was filmed on the soundstage. That was not the actual basement of the house, but the rest of the house has um, like, as soon as you walk in, there's this big statue of Hannibal Lecter and the mask and the suit and everything. Even if it had nothing to do with Sons of the Lambs, it is seriously one of the, most beautiful farm homes I have ever seen. It was built in the 1910. It's a historical home, wood furnishings. It's on like a hundred acres right next to a river. It's fucking gorgeous. That the house, nice. The house is just insanely Holy beautiful. Shit. And the guy really put a lot of heart into it. He is a huge, huge horror movie fan. If you go on his page, he's literally met 
everybody. Robert England, John Carpenter, he's like, he's met everybody. And um, I just love this idea. So uh, it's, it's like, which honestly, it's like $500 a night. But if you get a group of four people together, as big as this fucking house is, literally two couples could go and not even see each other unless they come to the kitchen. That's how fucking huge this house is. Um, so if anybody's interested, just look up Buffalo Bill House. The guys on Instagram, they've got a website. They are booking. They are even, because this guy's a, in film, they are even, he's even renting it out to independent filmmakers to use as a movie location. So That's if anybody amazing. out there is a filmmaker, if it's your first film, if you're looking for somewhere to shoot on location, what better place than the Buffalo Bill House from Silence of the Lambs? The Love actual it. house where they filmed a lot of the scenes. Um... I just wanted to throw that out there because I thought that was amazing. I would That's love to sweet. stay there at some point. I love that this guy bought the house and fixed it up the way he did. And um, is a few reviews I've read so far is people absolutely love it, especially if you're a Silence of the Lambs fan. So, uh, yeah, I just wanted to put that out there to check. We're because not getting paid. We're not sponsored. I don't know the guy. I just, <laughs> I saw that. I looked into it today. I thought it was so fucking cool. And I was like... I don't know if that many people know about it, so... Let's double date it. We totally should. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, you know. We could double date that Four one. people split that? That's amazing. And it's beautiful. Right? It's, it's do it. literally a gorgeous home. So Let's I just wanted to throw that it. out there in case anybody wanted to rent it. Or if you're making an independent film and you want to shoot somewhere on location, there you go. Get in contact with the guy. But this is really cool. Um... And like I said, I just, no sponsorship. I don't know this guy. I just thought that was really fucking cool. And in case our fans don't know about it, check it out, support. And if you love Silence of the Lambs, this might be a really va great vacation spot this summer. So there you go. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Get some friends. Stay on the Silence of the Lambs house. Don't skin anybody. But, you know, I mean, whatever. Just make sure you have some county. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to do, I can't, I can't do that's, I can't, I can't, I can't tell me spitting everywhere. I can't do it either. I will literally spit all over this room. Let's not do that. I don't want to do that. Thank you. So you guys, you know, we have Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at DFWTO podcast. Twitter, or the handles are DFWTO8811. If you have any questions, concerns, or want to say, hey, email us at DFWTO8811. DFWTO8493 at gmail.com. And of course, we are on too many letters and numbers. <laughs> iTunes podcast. What? iTunes Podbean, Google Podcasts, and um, Spotify. Thank you. And Spotify. Follow us. Subscribe Yay! so you know when we put out new episodes. Love Spotify. I actually am like legitimately obsessed with Spotify. Love Spotify. Because I'm like, I really like this song. I put it on I my really dad's phone. Will he to... ever learn to listen? Will he ever learn to use it? Even though I showed him. No, but that's okay. No. So like today, like that song Rosalind by Bon Iver, Bon Iver, that is like, it's it's from New Moon. Um, I was like, I want to listen to songs that sound like that. Like it was a that specific... is legitimately my favorite thing about Spotify. Yes. I have fallen into the best playlist ever when it's just one song, and then it's like here are other songs like that song, and I'm like, yeah. And then if you like... actually like look up that song's name and hit yes. playlist, yes, playlists will come up that say like yes. songs that sound like this, or like there's a specific song from the early 2000s that just I'm in the mood for the music like that. If you look up that song. They're like, here's the playlist. 
Spotify has saved me on multiple. I have so many new favorite playlists now because of that. Spotify saved my life. I just feel like I have to defend Spotify because, you know, now all of a sudden people hate Spotify because they're stupid. Anyway. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I think that's everything. We got it. You guys be Yay. safe tomorrow and Friday if you it's, have to go out. Please, guys, be safe. Um, I probably do. Everywhere. So we'll see. If I die. I'm going to try not to leave my home, but if I have to. If I have to, I have to. But um, otherwise, everybody be safe. Kids be safe. Hopefully schools will not be in session because, yeah. Most of them are closed. So but hopefully they're all following You guys suit. be safe. We love you guys. And remember, don't, don't fuck, fuck with, with the original. original. Bye. Happy Black History Month. Yes. <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> Happy Black History Month. <laughs> And Women in Horror Month. And Women in Horror Month. But most importantly, Black, Black History, History Month. Month yes. yes. Thank you. Actually, Black Women in Horror Month. <laughs> I, I like that. Bit. <laughs> Let's just combine them. There we go. Anyway. Okay, guys. Thanks. We'll just we'll, 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 goodbye. Bye.